Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the preaching ministry of Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. David Tice. For more sermons in both audio and video format, we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com. Also, for a word of encouragement, insight, and biblical inspiration, follow Pastor David Tice's blog at davidtice.com. So without further ado, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. The the scribes and the Pharisees wanted to be representatives of the kingdom of heaven, but they fell short. They kept the letter of the law, but they didn't keep the spirit of the law. And Jesus said, listen, in order to represent me, you've got to learn to live like the king. You've got to learn to live like me. You've got to learn to be what I am. You've got, your righteousness has got to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Now, Jesus is talking to a group of people that lived in Israel, and you've got to understand what they understood to understand what he's going to tell us, because he's going to give us some hard truth in the remainder of chapter 5. He's going to give us some very difficult things to live, and we've got to understand that we can't live this way unless the Holy Spirit of God is controlling us, because only the king can live this way. He can live his life through us. He's going to give us some very difficult things to live, and and there's going to be some difficult things to understand here unless we have the same understanding that those that were listening to Jesus understood. So I want to back up for just a minute and explain to you some things. People from time to time ask me, Pastor, do you believe in a literal hell, hell fire? Do you really literally believe there's a real literal hell? And the answer to that is yes. In fact, I believe in three hells. I believe in three hells. I believe in a hell on earth. People say, man, this is hell on earth. There is a literal place called hell. Jesus referred to it as hell. It's called Gehenna. There's a, there is a literal hell sp- spoken about in, in the book of Luke, and there's another hell. We're going to talk about all three of those right now. First of all, there is the hell called Gehenna. Jesus is going to reference this hell at least three times in this passage of Scripture. And it's very important that you have an understanding about this place in order to understand what Jesus is saying. Some people take this passage of Scripture and say, look, a person can lose their salvation and be cast into hell. That's not what the Bible is saying. That's not what Jesus is saying. But Jesus says some specific things about this place called the Valley of Hinnom. The Valley of Hinnon was a horrible place. And the reason it was a horrible place is because of what took place there. In the Old Testament, before Israel uh, took over this land, in this valley, which is just south of Jerusalem, it's just on the south side of Jerusalem, in this valley, there was a god that was set up. His name was Moloch. Moloch was a a metal god. He was hollow on the inside, and they would heat up that whole body, and people would come and sacrifice their babies there. This was a terrible place. It was a horrible place. And for years, for years, people, uh, this was a place of human sacrifice. It was terrible. And God said, when you you go into this land, that is absolutely forbidden. I want you to wipe this place out. I want you to wipe it clean. And I I want that never, ever to take place because that's an abomination uh, to me. However, when Israel backslid and, and stopped serving the true God, they started serving Moloch and they would take their babies there and they would sacrifice their newborn 
newborn babies uh, there in this valley of Hinnom. It was a horrible place, and because they did that, one of the reasons um, God sent them into Babylonian captivity for 70 years was because of this great abomination that took place in the valley of Hinnom. So they went into captivity for 70 years. They got out of captivity, and when they came back, um, that place was turned into a garbage pit. It was a place where they threw all sorts of garbage. They, that's where they threw any type of human refuge. That's where they threw uh, anything that was, was vile and wicked. If a criminal died, if a criminal died because of a capital crime, they would take that dead body of that criminal if there was no place to take him, and they would throw him that, or that body into that place. And so it was a place of, that smelled horrible. It was a place of where you could smell human flesh. It was that the, when the bodies were thrown in there, there was a perpetual fire going on there all the time. It was a, a, a perpetual fit, a pit of continual fire, and bodies would be thrown in there, and maggots would crawl on those bodies. It was disgusting. Dead animals, uh, all sorts of death was there. It was a horrible place, the Valley of Hinnon. This is a picture of it today. Uh, it's still there. It's not used that way anymore, but that was the Valley of Hinnon. It's, in, in, the, in the Greek, the word Hinnon is Gehenna, and so Jesus refers to that, uh, refers to that place in this passage of Scripture, the Valley of Hinnon. Then there's another place, uh, a literal place, Man, I tried to just get it right there and it didn't work. Anyway, so there's a place called, uh, there's, there's a place called Hades. The Bible, the Greek word Hades is hell fire. There is a literal place that when people who do not trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior uh, die, they wind up going to this place of torments. Jesus describes this place in detail when he tells the story. Uh, it's not a parable. People will refer to this as a parable, but it's not a parable. It's a story, and we, can, we know it's a true story because of, of several things that indicate a parable aren't there. So, so Jesus says this is a place uh, of, of torment. He describes the rich man dying and going to hell, and he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. And then Lazarus, the poor man, he dies, and he goes to Abraham's bosom, or what was called paradise. There's, a, uh, again, a major description, if you want to look it up, in Luke chapter 19, uh, verses, or Luke 16, verses 19 through 31. God gives us a, a, a great description of what takes place there in this hell. Now, this hell is not the permanent hell. It's a place where those who've rejected Christ and don't think they don't need a Savior, they go, and it's a waiting place, but it's a place of torment. Uh, immediately, when the rich man died, he went to this place, and if somebody doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that's where they go. By the way, you don't have to go there. You say, I don't know Jesus. You don't have to go there, because here's what happened. Uh, 2,000 years ago, Jesus, who is God in human flesh, came to this earth. He came to this earth because he loved us, and he didn't want us to go to hell. But because we all sin, the, the, the reason we get there, we buy our ticket to to hell by sinning. And every one of us have sinned, and because we've all sinned, we deserve to go to hell. But God doesn't want us to go there. However, he's a just God, and our sin has to be paid for. So God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ, and he died 
and paid for our sin in our place. He was our substitute. He died for us. He suffered the equivalent of hell on the cross. He paid for our sins at one time in space and time. He, he uh, was buried to prove that he was dead, stayed there for three days and three nights, rose from the dead, was seen by hundreds of eyewitnesses, and then he went back to heaven. And then, and then uh, having paid for our sins, now the Bible says this, all I have to do is admit that I'm a sinner, come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I, I believe you are God. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead for me. I believe that. I believe there's no way I can earn my way to heaven, but I believe since you died for me and were buried and rose from the dead for me, if I ask you, you'll save me. Jesus said this, if anyone comes to me, I will in no wise cast them out. Paul said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I can come to Jesus and say, Jesus, please give me eternal life, and boom, he gives me eternal life, and I get to go to heaven when I die, and I escape hell. Now, there's one other hell in the Bible, and that's called the lake of fire. In Revelation, uh, the Bible t talks about the last day when Jesus is going to take everyone who is in, uh, who is in uh, that temporary hell, bring them up. All their dead bodies are going to be raised. Their, the bodies and soul will come and stand before uh, Jesus, and Jesus will judge them according to their works. These are people who said, I can work my way to heaven. I can be go to church and, and get my, work my way to heaven. I can be good and work my way to heaven. They're all going to stand there with all their works, and they're going to be judged according to their works, and they're all going to fail because none of us are good enough to get to heaven. And so the Bible says once they've been judged uh, at the white throne judgment, Judgment, then Jesus will cast them into the lake of fire, and that's the permanent hell, and that's where those who rejected Christ will spend eternity. So God tells us about these, these three hells, these, uh, and, and they're all real, and they're all literal, and we need to understand that according to the Scriptures. Now, one other thing you need to understand, to understand what Jesus is, is uh, going to teach us here is this, that, uh, again, there's, there's, there's Gehenna, fire, there's a, that's a huge fire pit on earth in, uh, in uh, Jerusalem, not there today, it's not, it's not a, it's the, it's there, but it's not a fire pit now, there was, there is the literal hell where people, when they with, die without Christ, they go there, and then there's the lake of fire. There's also something you need to understand. In the Old Testament, there are, there are at least 16 capital crimes. A capital crime is something that you've done that deserves death, and God allows that, that uh, governments should put to death people who commit these capital crimes. The first capital crime that we'll look at is in Leviticus chapter 20. Uh, <clears throat> you can check this out. God says adultery, if a man commits adultery with a woman, uh, that he and the woman are to be taken out, stoned to death. That's a capital crime. And the, all, of the, all of the Israelites that were there knew that the law said that this was a capital crime. Jesus is talking to a group of Israelis out there, and he's telling them, uh, he's talking to them, and they understood. Adultery is a capital crime. It's something that you die for. And then, number two, there's murder. Uh, in fact, this is actually the first capital crime that God gave to man. He said uh, in Noah's day, he said to Noah, if a man kills another man, by man shall his blood be shed. So that's the first capital crime. God says you kill somebody, you kill somebody, you die. <clears throat> and then there's Thirdly, it's kidnapping. Uh, you, take some, you kidnap a child or kidnap a man, you take him and you sell him as a slave or a, or a child as a slave. That's all, all three of these are capital crimes. They are deserving of death. 
I'm giving you this because the Jesus, when he was talking to that crowd, that crowd understood these things, and it's important that we understand these things as we study what Jesus said to do. He said, listen, I don't want you to be like the scribes and the Pharisees. Their, their righteousness is not good enough. Your righteousness has got to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Now, why did he say that? Well, in Matthew chapter 23, we read him saying this, all therefore whatsoever they, they bid you observe, whatever the scribes and Pharisees tell you to observe, do, uh, but do not ye after their works. Here's their problem. For they say and they do not. They teach one thing, but they live something else. They're hypocrites. They don't live, the, they, 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 they know the letter of the law, so they look good outwardly, but they're not following the spirit of the law. They're not, they're not allowing God to work through them. And I want you to not to live the letter of the law. I want you as my representatives, as, as you go out as salt and light, I want you to understand the law and I want you to live in the spirit of the law. Then he gives us five examples. Number one, look in verse 21. In fact, before we do that, let's pray and ask God to bless this. Father, I pray that you'll help me to communicate these wonderful truths that your son, the Lord Jesus, taught there on that hillside. Help me as he communicated to your people then, help me to communicate to your people here these truths that he taught. And Father, you know how inadequate I am, but I pray that you'll help me to adequately uh, uh, communicate your truth, that Jesus might be glorified through us as we live this truth. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing that Jesus says is, is this. He teaches us uh, to refuse to fight with your brother and sister. Refuse, as a Christian, to fight with other Christians. Look what he says. He says, you have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill. Well, that's what was said. In Exodus chapter 20, God says, thou shalt not kill. You've heard that. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. Well, that's true. They were going to be condemned. The word judgment means condemnation. Uh, you've heard that if you kill somebody, don't kill because you're going to be in danger of judgment. But he says, I say to you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. That is condemnation. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, that word means empty-headed. That's saying, you're stupid. Uh, you're, you're, you're foolish. You have no brains in your head. You are totally uh, empty-headed. Raka is in danger of the council. Now, the, those that were listening understood this council to mean the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was a group of men uh, in the Jewish religious system that made judgments that took that that made judgment calls on how much prison time or whatever was going to happen these were the judges and he said you you need to understand if you say to somebody's a fool you tell them they're empty headed then you're in danger of the judgment uh, you're, you're in danger of being hauled to court and 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 having judgment pronounced against you then he says, and whosoever shall say, uh, say thou fool. Now the word fool is, you're not, it's, it's the word godless. It means you don't believe in God. 
Don't look at your Christian brother and say, you're not a God believer. Don't look at, your, at, 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 at somebody that is a Christian. You're upset with them and you say, oh, you're not even a Christian. He's saying to them, don't, don't look at somebody and tell them, you say, where do you get that? The Bible says in, in Psalm 14, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. We need to understand that. I was, I was out door knocking when our church was very young. I was knocking on a door, and uh, my wife, just my wife and I, in fact, our church hadn't even started yet, knocked on a door, and we're passing out tracks, inviting people to the church, and a guy opened the door, and he said, he said, what are, who are you? And I said, oh, we're, I, I'm Dave Tice. This is my wife, Anna. We're starting Liberty Baptist Church. We'd like to invite you to come. He said, well, that's nice, but I'm an atheist. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, no. I said, you're too smart to be an atheist. And he said, so what do you mean? I said, well, he, he, I said, the Bible says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. I said, I said you, you can't be an atheist. You're too intelligent for that. I said, what you're saying is you don't believe or you don't understand God. You're an agnostic. He said, yeah, that's what I mean. And uh, uh, I said, and then I tried to explain to him the gospel. That, that, listen, the Bible says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. Don't look at somebody and say, hey, you're godless. That, that especially somebody that's your brother or sister in Christ. Don't do that. He says, when you say thou fool, you're in danger of, uh, you're in danger of hell fire. That's, that, now, what is he talking about? He's not talking about Luke chapter 16 hell. He's using the word Gehenna. You're in danger of getting, uh, becoming a criminal whose body dies and is thrown in a fire pit. That's what he's saying. You need to understand that. It says in verse 23, therefore, this is very, very important, therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberest thy brother hath aught against thee, you come into church and you're going to make an offering to God and, and, and then you remember, oh, wait a minute, there's a brother that's upset with me. Now, the idea of having aught against him, that means that he has a legitimate complaint with you. Uh, you drove into his, uh, you drove out of the church parking lot and you smashed into his car. And you backed up and said, love you, brother, and drove away. Uh, they, now he has a legitimate gripe with you. You, you, uh, you were just mean to him and said something unkind to him and, and you've never gotten that right. You've, you've, uh, uh, you threw trash in his yard. Your brother's upset with you because you did something to him and he has a legitimate complaint about you and what you've done. He says, look, he says, if you think, if you're, if you're about to offer something to God and you know that a brother has a legitimate a complaint about you, leave your gift before the altar. Why? Because he's angry. You're not angry. It's not your car. Uh, he, he's, he's angry because you smashed his car. So you go thy way. First, be reconciled to your brother. Go get right with your brother. Remember, we want to be salt and light, and you can't be salt and light if your brother is angry with you. And, and, and that anger, that anger might, uh, he's got a just cause for being angry with you. He's angry at you, and it just might lead him to do something foolish, like call you stupid, and then he's going to get more angry, and he might wind up killing you. That's the idea. So for your brother's sake, you go to your brother, and you get this thing right. And then come and offer thy gift. And then he says, so, so how do I get right with him? Here's how you do it. You agree with your adversary. You say, oh, you know what, you're right, I shouldn't have smashed your car. And then he says, well, it's a $5,000 bill. 
It was a scratch this big. Uh, it's $5,000. So you agree with him. You say, okay. Whilst thou art in the way with him. That's what, he's on his way to court, and you're going to court. You're going to the Sanhedrin with him. He says, you agree with him quickly. As you're on the way, lest at any time your adversary deliver thee to the judge and the judge deliver you to the officer and you be cast into prison. Just agree. You're not going to have a good prison ministry uh, if, you, if you get thrown in there because you smashed your brother's car. Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt have no meat, by no means come out till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. Wow. As Americans, we have to figure out what a farthing is first. And then, but you, you're not going to get out. You're just not going to pay your way out. Wow. So what's he telling us? He's saying, look, refuse to, to fight with your brother and sister. Just don't do it. Um, the law says don't kill. And he says, he, he says don't kill. And he, then he says, I think it's very interesting. He says, Jesus says, don't be angry without a cause. See, what is anger without a cause? There's several Bible illustrations. Number one, Cain and Abel. Cain uh, comes and offers God something, and Abel comes and offers God a sacrifice. Uh, Cain doesn't do what God tells him to do. Abel does what God tells him to do. And Cain's offering is not accepted. Abel's offering is accepted. And now, not mad at God, he is, Cain is now mad at his brother. Because his brother got recognition and he didn't. That's, and he was angry without a cause. And what did he do? He murdered. He murdered Abel. Remember the story of Paul and, or Saul and David? Saul's chasing David all around the countryside for years. David is running as a fugitive because Saul disobeyed God, and God said, you're no longer going to be king. I'm anointing this kid over here king. And Saul said, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. He was angry at David without a cause. David hadn't done anything to cause his anger. He was just being obedient to God. The Pharisees hated Jesus without cause. They hated Jesus because he claimed to be the Son of God. He was doing, he was living what he taught, and the Pharisees weren't, and so they hated him without cause. You can take that and put that for you with any person that you feel like you're competing with or you're jealous of or you're angry with. The Bible says, hey, don't be angry without cause. It, it, uh, God says don't do it because then you're in, in, uh, you're in danger of judgment. Why? Because the Bible tells us that contention only comes from pride. Only by pride cometh contention. The reason you're mad and you're angry with that person is because of your pride. James says that, uh, that wars and fightings come among us be because of the lust which war in our members. So he says, because of your lust, because of your anger, because of your pride, I'm sorry, because of your pride, you're angry. And, and you need not let that happen. Don't look at your brother because you're angry at him and say, well, he's just a stupid fool. He's a stupid, empty-headed airhead. Don't do that. Don't do that. After the, after, after the second message, my, my grandson was in here, and he said, I'm going to tell my sister. He, she can't call me airhead anymore. And so he, at least he listened. I'm so glad. And so, uh, uh, so don't, you, you, don't say, you don't say you're empty-headed because then you're going to go, what's going to happen is you're going to be pulled before the Sanhedrin. 
You're going you're gonna to get, get judged. And don't say thou fool because you're in danger of hell fire. What the, the idea is very simply, look, you can become, just with allowing anger in your life, allowing frustration in your life, so you're calling people names and you're, and, and you're, you're unkind and you're even denying that they're Christians, it can get, make you so angry that you wind up killing them. And if you kill them, you're a criminal. And you're going to wind up with your body thrown in Gehenna fire. You're going to wind up like a criminal. Don't do that because you're not representing me. So here's the deal. You won't kill somebody if you don't get angry with them. So confess your anger and don't do that. Just determine you're going not to, you're going to refuse to fight with your brothers and sisters. Secondly, recognize, he says, lust as sin. This is so so important. He says in verse 27, you've heard that it hath been said of them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. Okay, so adultery is breaking the marriage vows. Uh, adultery is uh, a man and a woman say, I'm going to be with this person for the rest of my life, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. I'm going to love, honor, and cherish. I'm making a vow to be with this person only. And then for, you break those marriage vows. That's adultery. It is a specific type of fornication. Fornication is any type of sexual sin. Uh, adultery is a particular type of sexual sin that's committed with a married spouse. So God says, look, uh, Jesus said, you know that the Bible says, uh, you've heard that it has been said of them of old time, don't commit adultery. Don't break the marriage vows. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Jesus said, I'm I'm, well, let's take this one step behind. You are one step further. You need to understand it is sin for you to look on a woman and lust after her. It's sin for you to have a desire for her and you need to confess that lust in your heart as sin. You need to understand he said, because you're looking at it, you're committing adultery with your heart. Proverbs tells us this, that if I commit adultery, that I, I am destroying my own soul. I'm destroying my ability to think right. My soul is my mind and my emotions and my will, so I'm destroying my ability to think right. I'm, uh, I'm destroying my ability to show proper emotion. I'm destroying my ability to, to my willpower to say yes to the right things and no to the wrong things. So he says, listen, stay away from this. This, 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 this uh, uh, adultery of the soul, of the heart, it goes directly to this matter. You're destroying your ability to think, emote, and make right decisions. Don't do that. This is very, very serious. You can't, you can't be living in lust and be salt and light. So it's not just the outward act of, the, of like the Pharisees of staying away from physical adultery. Don't look on a woman to lust after you, uh, after her, because what you're doing is you're committing adultery in your heart. Then he goes on. And listen to what he says. How serious is this? He says, "If thy right eye offend thee, if you're lusting with your right eye, pluck it out." You can look this up in the Greek, I, 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 you know, because it sounds so severe. Pluck out your eye and cast it from thee. So it, what does it say in the Greek? Well, I checked it out. I mean, you can check it out. In the Greek, the word, the way, the word pluck it out, I, I just want you to have this Greek lesson. The word pluck it out 
means this. It means to pluck it out. You understand? I just want you to get that clear. The idea is God, God says this is serious stuff. If your eye, right eye is, is causing you to lust, then rip it out of your head. For it is, now listen to what he says. This is so important when we understand that Jesus is talking about this valley of, of Hinnon, the, the Gehenna fire. He says, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell, Gehenna, into the fires of Gehenna. You, you, here's what you're going to do. Adultery is a capital crime. You're going to look at her. You're going to lust after her, and you're going to keep lusting, and then you're going to commit adultery, and it's a whole lot better to rip your eye out and throw it into the fire than to have your whole body thrown in that fire because you're a criminal and you died as an adulterer. He says, he goes on. He doesn't end there. He says, and if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body shall be cast into Gehenna fire. Again, better to rip off your arm and throw it in the fire than have your whole body. If this is causing you to sin, this is very serious stuff. Now, Jesus isn't telling you to go out and literally rip out your eye or rip off your arm. He's telling you literally don't lust. That's what he's saying. And he's saying to you, you need to understand that lust is a sin, and you need to not just, well, you know, when I grew up, all the men in my life, I'm telling you, all of them would have said, hey, it's okay to look. You just can't, you just can't touch. It's okay to look. Don't, just don't touch. And pornography is everywhere, and there's a philosophy that, hey, you can look, and this is going to satisfy your needs. No, God wants you to say lusting is sin. Lusting is sin. Now, I'm driving down the road. And I'm in Las Vegas, and a billboard, is, goes, I go by a billboard, and there's a very scantily clad woman on that billboard. And, and this is what happens. Satan says, look at that. Lust after that. Now, that's not sin at that point, because I'm just being tempted. Here's the sin. When I choose to look and lust and think about that and keep looking and wanting that. When you're, when you're flipping through your phone and the bad picture flips up. That's not sin. That's temptation. When you keep looking at it and keep following the, the thread, that's, that's lust. And God says it is sin. It's adultery. And you need to confess it as sin. You need to confess it as sin. Some people, some, somebody will say, hey, well, it's, I don't think there's anything that bad with that. This is, this is something in your mind. Here's what the Bible says. He that covereth his sin, you that say, no, nothing wrong with that. Oh, oh, that's just, that's the preacher up there making a big deal about it. I'm telling you, the Bible says he that covereth his sin, you that say, hey, there's nothing wrong with this. It's okay. That's not, nothing so bad. I was just watching this show, and, and this came up, and I just kept watching it. Uh, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. You say, this is what God wants you to do. God, it was wrong. I, I, I looked. I lusted. I confessed that as sin. And God, I'm asking you to help me forsake this. I, I want to get away from that. I don't want to do this anymore. God will give you mercy and he'll give you a way to escape that if you will confess it. I'm telling you, pornography is a huge scourge on our nation right now. 
And Jesus is saying, look, you need to recognize lust as sin. And you need to understand, you're not going to be the salt and the light that I want you to be if you don't, if you're not willing to recognize lust as sin and confess that and stay away from that. Wow, because lust will, will lead you to do the wrong thing. When you talk to serial, I don't, but if you've, if you've ever read or, or watched interviews of serial killers, you will find that most often, in fact, I don't know of one that wouldn't tell, tell you that there, or that I've read about, that wouldn't say, I started with pornography. Started with pornography. And that's what Jesus is warning about. He's saying, look, it's not just good to say I didn't commit adultery. You better not lust because you can't represent me. You can't be salt and light. You're just like the Pharisees. You can't be salt and light if you will not, uh, if you not, will not put away this whole thing of lust. So be willing to recognize that lust is sin. Thirdly, he says this, refrain from taking oaths. Look what he says in verse 33. Again, again you have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, thou shalt, that thou shalt not forswear thyself. That means to, you, you shouldn't make a promise and not keep it. You shouldn't take an oath and not keep that oath. Thou, and thou shalt not forswear thyself, but thou shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. If you make an oath to God, then you better perform it. But Jesus says, I say unto you, swear not at all. That is, it's not talking about swearing, swear words. He's talking about don't make oaths. Not at all. Neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool. Neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or or black. Hair dye had not been invented. <laughs> but let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than that cometh of evil. Now what's he saying? Why does he say that? Don't, don't uh, swear falsely. In fact, don't swear at all. Don't, don't uh, make an oath. Why? He just wants you to tell the truth. Don't make an oath because here, when you make an oath, you're acting in pride. You're saying, I will do something. You're like Herod who said, hey, to the, to the, to the little girl who was dancing in front of him, oh man, she, he was lusting after her and he said, whatever you want, to the half of my kingdom, I'll give it to you. He made an oath, stupid, stupid man. He said, he said, um, and, and so she, he said, what do you want? She asked her mother, and her mother said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a charger. Stupid man making a stupid oath, and he kept his stupid oath. Look, don't put yourself in a position like that. Don't, don't be making promises that, you, that you, you can't absolutely keep, that you don't, that you don't know that you can keep. Uh, you, you're not supposed to do that. Why? Well, there are people who say, well, I lift my hand to heaven. Well, here's what Jesus said. Heaven's not under your control. You shouldn't be lifting your hand to heaven, uh, promising something in the name of heaven. You're not in control of heaven, nor are you in control of earth. So don't be, don't be uh, making oaths based on the fact that uh, as, earth, as long as earth stands. You can't say as long as earth stands. You're not going to be around that long. You're not in control of earth. And he says, you're not in control of the city of Jerusalem. It belongs to the king. 
He's the one that's in control of that. You're the king's kid, but you're not, you're, not, you're not in control of Jerusalem. Don't be making oaths by Jerusalem. And he says you're not even in control of the hair on your head. That's how little control we have. And, and don't be lifting up. Here's what you do. You say, what do I do? Instead, you just say yes, and you say no. Yes, I'm going to do that. No, I'm not going to do that. And to the best of my ability, I'm going to keep that. But, but no oaths here. So Jesus says refrain from taking oaths because you're going to put yourself in a position and you're not going to be able to represent me. You are salt and light. So stay away from, uh, from murder by not allowing yourself to get angry with your brother or sister. Uh, you're, you're salt and light, so stay away from adultery by not allowing yourself to lust. And you're, you're salt and light, so stay away from making oaths that, that you might have to break, and now you're not going to be able to represent me. You are salt and light. Then he goes on. Now he gets to the hard stuff. You say, this wasn't hard? Nope, it wasn't compared to what he's going to say now. Now listen. You have heard in verse 38... You have heard that it had been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I like that. Punch me in the face, I'll punch you in the face. Do you understand? Smash my car, I'll smash you. That's, that's, we like that. That's good. You break out my tooth, I'll break out your tooth. You steal my donkey, I'm taking your donkey. That's, that sounds really fair. And, and, and the word of God says, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil. If you want to represent me, don't resist evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if a man shall sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, that is your inner garment, then give him your cloak, that is your outer garment. Somebody wants your shirt, give him your coat along with it. And whosoever shall compel you to go one mile, don't just go one mile. A Roman soldier comes along and says, here, carry my stuff and walk with me one mile. When you get to the end of the mile, say, hey, let me, let me carry this another mile for you. Let me be a help to you. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Wow. I mean, we, we're all treated poorly at times, aren't we? We're all uh, mistreated at times. And it's during those times Jesus is saying, your opportunity to shine. This is your opportunity to show the grace of God. This is your opportunity to let people know what I'm really like. You say, how do you know he was like that? Because he did this when he was taken. And people came into the garden and they jerked him around. And they took him before the Sanhedrin and they spit on him and they ripped his beard from his face. And then they took him to Pilate and, they, and they, they bashed him around and hit him and put a crown of thorns on his face. The, the one who could have spoken and they would have melted before him. I like shows where the bad guy gets it. I loved it when I was watching, when I first watched Raiders of the Lost Ark. And the bad guys opened up the ark and their faces melted off. <laughs> I like that. You say, why do you like that? Because I'm evil. And I want the bad guy to get it because he's badder than me, I think. God says, listen, you need to understand you're not to resist evil. Jesus didn't. 
You see Jesus being abused. You see a crowd. Jesus could have wiped them out. Jesus could have melted their faces. Jesus could have done anything, but he didn't because he came for them. Those people that were hitting, he loved them. Those people that were spitting in his face, he loved them. He came to die for them. He came to pay for their sin. He came so that they could get they can go to heaven. So he said, if you're hit on one cheek, give him the other. If you're sued for your coat, give him your cloak. If you're compelled to go one mile, go two. Give more than you are asked. So give, give more than you're asked. I didn't put up the next thing. Respond with grace. Whatever, however you are treated, you respond with grace. You say, well, that's tough. But when you do, you're reflecting Christ. Now, you think that's tough? Look what he says next. In verse 43, in the verse, verse 43, he tells us, restore your enemy. Don't try and get even with your enemy. Restore your enemy. You've heard that it has been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. Well, I don't know where it says in the Old Testament that you should hate your enemy. I do know that it says love your neighbor. Uh, so I think they, somebody added to hate your enemy. I don't think that's in the Old Testament. So he's saying you have... You, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. This is difficult. Because then he tells us who our enemies are. He says, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Who are my enemies? The people that hate me. The people who speak evil against me, they're constantly saying how whatever, they're, they're berating me, they're, they're saying vile things about me, they're lying about me. Man, what do you want to do? You want to defend yourself. You want to defend yourself. When somebody speaks evil of you, you want to speak evil of them. And Jesus said this. Now listen, this is Jesus. This isn't me. He, speaks, he said speak well of those. The word blessed means to speak well. Bless them that curse you. Those that speak evil about you, you speak well of them. Those that hate you, those that hate you, what are you supposed to do? Do good to them. Do good to them. To them that despitefully use you and persecute you, pray for them. And you're not praying that God will kill them. You're praying for them that they get saved. Man, who is it that you despise? Who is it that's mean? Who is it that you look at in this world and say, oh, I wish somebody would take that person out? Love them, pray for them, speak well of them, do good to them, and, 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 and pray for them to despitefully use you. I want to clarify something right here when I say this. I don't think, people will ask me all this time, do you think that somebody should stay in a close uh, relationship with somebody if they are physically abusive to them? No, he doesn't tell us to do that. He doesn't say, hey, allow yourself to be abused and beat up and misused. He's not saying that. He's talking about what you do for them in loving them, in speaking well of them, in doing good to them. And, and, but, but you, if somebody's abusing you in an abusive situation, you need to get out of that situation so that you can properly do this. Because you can't do this while you're being abused. So, now what's the result? What's, this resu what's the result if I love my enemies? <laughs> Here's the result. Look at what he says. This is what Jesus says. 
that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. Now, you are a child of God, but they're going to know. They're going to look at you. That's the idea Jesus is saying. They're going to look at you and say, wow, there's something different about that person. When you love them that treat you bad, there's gonna, they're going to look at you and say, hey, there's, there's something different about that person, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. They'll look at you and say, wow, they're like God. For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. You know what? Tomorrow morning, you're going to get up. I'll, I get up early and I watch the sunrise. I love it. Tomorrow morning, Mike, when the sun rises, there's, gonna, there's a lot of evil people in the city. I mean, they're bad people. They do bad things. They're all out there doing all that stuff Jesus said not to do. They're out there all over, all over Las Vegas. And when the sun rises, it's going to shine on them, just like on all us good people. <laughs> See that? Jesus said, hey, he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. Maybe he's letting us know we're not that good because the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He's allowing the sun to rise on the good and the evil. He sends the rain on the just, those that are doing right, and those that are unjust. Our God is a loving God. For, for if we love them, which love, if you love them that love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? You're just like a tax collector. They love you if you love them. You're just like a traitor. They love you if you love them. And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans the same? Wow. Republicans do the same thing. Man. So, look at his conclusion. Be therefore perfect. Wow. Be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. He says, look, you do these five things, and you're perfect. Well, I can't, let me tell you this, you can't do them. You need the Holy Spirit of God. And you got saved, the Spirit of God came to live inside of you. So you need to surrender to the Holy Spirit of God and say, uh, Father, control me because I can't live this way. He just said, look, he said, you need to refuse to fight with your brothers and sisters. I know my brothers and sisters, they do some crazy things and they're insulting. And they, how do I do that? Uh, you need to recognize that lust is sin and you need to avoid it. How do I do that? I, I, you need to refrain from taking oaths. Don't be making promises and getting lifted up with pride and thinking you're going to make a promise, you're going to do this thing. Respond with grace when you're tried. When people are treating you right, wrong, you respond with grace. And then even go to restoring your enemy and you're praying for your enemy. How do you do that? You as a Christian and me as a Christian, we need to take uh, we need to thank God for the fact that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. When you got saved, He came to live inside of you. And you need to say every day, Father, I want to live this way. I want to do this, but I can't. So fill me, control me today that I might do these things, that I might, re that I might not fight with my brothers and sisters. Control me that I might, that I might not lust. Control me that, so, I can, so, I, so I'm not making false oaths. Control me that I might respond with grace when people are treating me bad. Control me that I might love my enemies, those that hate me, those that persecute me, those that treat me bad. 
control me. When you surrender to the control of the Holy Spirit, he'll live his life through you, and you will be the salt and light God wants you to be wherever he has planted you. Father, help us to take these truths and help us to live these truths so that you might be glorified through us, that your name might be lifted up through us, and that people might be drawn to you. Help us to apply this word, and I ask this in Jesus' name. We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. Now for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.